Welcome to the Self-Awareness and Self-Compassion Podcast, formerly known as the Full Spectrum Feeling Podcast. I'm your host, Blaise Schwaller, life coach, mom, and former tattoo artist. I help people heal their past, speak their truth, and love the lives that they're living now. Join me here every week for conversations on how to live an imperfect but fully engaged life that embraces all the feels so that you can stretch into your best life while enjoying the you that's here right now. friends, it's Blaze. I don't know about you, but every day I've got like my OneDrive pops up and it shows me my memories from this time last year. And I was looking through and I caught a video of myself recording a little film of me and my snake Timmy for a bunch of my friends on Facebook. And I recorded it because I talked about him a lot and nobody really, I, I don't know, they were concerned about snakes or worried about snakes, curious about my relationship with him and what was going on. So I thought, you know what, you guys, I'd love to share with you why I have a snake in the first place, why he's Timmy, and you know, some of the things that happen in the relationship that I have with the snake. And it's it's really interesting. So when I was turning 30, I decided, as I I've often do, I like to get over fears. So if I have something that's really unrealistic or some crazy fear, like the fear of blood, right? And then going into tattooing, I also realized that I had fear and concern about snakes. And I wasn't really sure why, because it's not like snakes come up in my life a lot. (laughs) Like they just don't, I don't really run into them or see them, but I had adopted this fear because I don't know, in the popular culture, I guess, or with my family, like snakes are kind of scary and I don't want to pick them up or anything. And then I had a friend who I had been tattooing actually, and she had a couple of snakes and I had another friend that came down and she wanted to have a tattoo of her dancing with snakes. And I thought, well, I could actually do a photo shoot. My friend with the snakes could let the snakes be with my friend. She could do the dance. We'll take the photos and then we'll do this tattoo of it. And it became an event. And that was a pretty magical and cool experience. And I'm so grateful that I had that because I learned that snakes were not as scary as I thought. The snakes that I met were both pretty calm. Um, One was a little bit less calm than the other, but the ball python, very calm, the boa, a little less calm, but both of them, you know, pretty chill, really beautiful, slow moving, fast moving, just um, they undulate, right? Like they feel like a massage when they're on your skin. So I had this experience of working with them and setting up the photo shoot and talking with my friend and how much she loved her snakes. And I went, wow, like she really has a relationship with these creatures. And I didn't even realize that was possible or a thing that people did. I figured people had snakes and like, why would they have them? Or if they did, they just sat in a cage all the time. And there was no interaction whatsoever, except for like feeding them mice and rats. And that seemed kind of scary too. But the wheels in my head got turning and I thought, you know what, I'm about to turn 30. I would like to be able to have that kind of a relationship with a reptile. I've never done it before. I don't really know how one communicates with these animals, but I can learn. And I, in my research, realized that ball pythons in particular in captivity tend to live about 30 years. And I went, oh, okay, I could have a birthday snake. I could get a snake and it would go through the next 30 years with me. Craziness. And like, I think I'm going to do that. And I ended up, you know, researching and looking at 
hatcheries and reptile breeders, herpetologists and stuff until I found the snake that I wanted. And it was such a weird process. So when you buy a snake and you're not at like a pet store and you're buying through a breeder or whatever, like they just, they ship you your snake. Isn't that crazy? So he came in a little tiny box with little air holes and he had a little heat pad underneath him so that he wouldn't freeze. And they overnighted him to me and he just like arrived in a box, which was so bizarre. (laughs) I was opening it up and being like, gosh, I sure hope he's okay. And I'd already set up, you know, my cage and the lights and the water and like the the stuff for inside the cage. So I had like a little waterfall for him. I got all into it. Then I open up this box and in the box is this little tiny orange snake. So he's an orange hypo ball python. And that means that he ages to be more yellow, but he started out more orange and he sheds mostly clear. He doesn't shed with like the spots showing on his skin. So that's the interesting thing with him. And I open up the box and there he is. And he's this little tiny thing. And I would say like, maybe he's the length of my hand. He was really small. And for some reason, like I had him in my hand and he slightly moved and I freaked out and just like jumped and I dropped him and I felt so bad. Like I'd flung him basically, like he bounced off of the bed where I was sitting, like onto the floor. I had to pick him up and I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Like I chose to adopt this creature. And then I let my fear like potentially hurt this poor thing. And he was fine. And, you know, I had my moment of like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm so freaked out. Like what could he possibly do to me? His head was so small. Like he couldn't even really bite my finger. So that was my first experience with my snake. And I've had him now for 14 years and he's awesome. (laughs) So Also in the, like the romance of thinking like, oh, I'm going to have the snake and I'm going to name him this really cool name and it's going to be so badass. And I was like, all trying to prove something about myself, I guess. I was like, I'll call him Imhotep, eater of rats. And like I had all these names, but then when I actually met him and like opened up that little box, both me and my husband at the same time were like, oh, he's Timmy. (laughs) He's just, he's Timmy. And we both said it at the same time. So clearly like that's his name. That's, it's just his name. And he got into his cage and I had to figure out how am I going to feed him and get more comfortable with the cycle of life because, you know, he eats mice and rats and I have to be comfortable feeding him mice and rats. And early on, you know, when they're that small, they can only eat like baby animals. So that was really stressful and weird for me. So I had like this weird detachment of, you know, I'm killing something, but it's bringing life to something else. And it made me consider my existence. I'm like, well, whether I'm eating cows or chickens or plants, like something is dying so that I can live. So that's just what it is to be alive. And we're kind of weird about it. We're so removed from that process. So just immediately upon having the snake, I started to think about a lot of the dynamics in my life and things that I didn't deeply consider before because I really had to. And I know there's plenty of people that live on farms and deal with this all the time. And they're very intimately aware that things die so that we can eat. But I think a lot of the um, people in my life anyway, are enough removed from it that we don't think about it very much. We're like, we go to the grocery market and we buy stuff and then we just eat it. And we don't think that it was once living and breathing and it died so that we could eat it. And then when you have a snake, like 
for the first few years of his life, I had him eating live mice when he was very small and then he graduated to rats. By the time he got to mid-sized mice, I actually realized that he's terrible at eating and he's going to hurt himself and cause suffering to these animals. And I started buying um, already killed mice and rats and frozens. And then I would learn how to thaw them and feed him that way because it he's terrible at eating. <laughs> But one of the things that I wanted to share about my relationship with this snake is it became a relationship. I don't, or I try not to anyway, have any kind of pets that I just ignore all the time. And to be fair, snakes, they're not necessarily outgoing creatures. They're not like out and about around town. They're not wanting to, you know, be out in your house. Or I wouldn't do that because I think he would get lost very easily. So I'll share another story about that. But early on, as he was growing, he was starting to tip his water bowl a lot. So he was trying to find places to hide under things. Because again, he's a ball python and his thing is to like curl up in a ball and hide under rocks in the wild or hide underneath nooks and crannies. And he was realizing that if he could kind of like lift underneath his water bowl, he could hide underneath it. But I kept tipping the water everywhere. So I bought him a new water bowl that didn't have a dip underneath it where he could get in. And I switched it out and Timmy just stopped eating. He would not eat anything that I would put in. He wouldn't come out of his little like rock. He had a little rock that he was sleeping in at that time. Cause he was so small. It was very cute. And I wanted to talk to him about it. Cause I was like, something has happened. Clearly we're not on good terms right now. What's going on. And I took him out in the rock cause he wouldn't even come out. And I just held the rock and I felt like to communicate with this snake, for me anyway, it takes going into a much slower pace. You can hear it as I'm talking right now. It's just needing to slow down my thoughts, slow down my desire to have an immediate answer because snakes work on a much slower, longer time scale. So I just held this rock and I said, if I have to sit here for an hour, I want you to come out and be with me, but you're not doing it. So something is wrong. What is it? And I was just willing to listen. I guess that that happened. I changed my mind about, you know, telling him what was happening. And I just went, well, what's going on? And listened for a really long time. And eventually his head came out of the little hole in the rock and he put his head on me. And I had this impression, this is, it's weird. It's like one of those psychic experiences and I don't know how else to explain it, but it's kind of like what happens when I was tattooing and I would get images in my head from people about what they wanted. And I had this picture of the blue bowl and he was upset that I had taken his bowl away. And I was like, Timmy, are you mad about your bowl being gone? <laughs> and I was like, I think that's it. Like he, he won't even come out. I was like, oh, okay. I said, I... I don't like that you're tipping it over all the time. I was like, you keep knocking it over and it's making a big mess. So I'll bring it back, but I, can you please try not knocking it over? And instead of just saying the words, which I did, I tried picturing it from his point of view. So it was like, I was trying to create a movie in my mind. So I was trying so hard. I was like, let's be telepathic. Let's do it and tell this little creature, I'm like, it's the blue bowl and you're going to try and push your head underneath it. And the water goes everywhere. And then there's water on you. There's water everywhere and they have to clean it. And then like, you'll poop and it's disgusting. Like I can't, I can't keep doing this. I was like, but I'll put it back if you really love it. And 
so I did. I put him back in in his little rock and he still was hiding from me. And I switched out the, the new water bowl, which was flat and also like a rock. And then I put back in the blue bowl and I filled it up with water and it was immediate. He immediately came out, he drank water and then he like went right on my hand. And I was like, Oh, holy crap. I think I just talked with a snake. <laughs> and that was really the beginning of feeling like I'm able to communicate with Timmy, with my snake. I mean, I haven't really tried it very much with other snakes, but I kind of get him and we have a relationship now. And another thing that I noticed too was as he was growing at about year three, like he was eating year round and he was getting bigger and bigger. And then abruptly I switched him for the first time from mice to a rat and he ate the rat. And I felt like I had broken him because he just stopped eating. He, he refused everything after that. And he didn't eat for nine months, like almost an entire year. And I was like, oh my God, is he going to die? But I never felt from him anyway, there was no distress. He's just like, eh, just not that interested. And I was like, should I not have fed you something that big? But it turned out that it just happened to coincide with him, I guess, becoming his adult size. And apparently half ball pythons continue to eat throughout the year and half of them do wintering where they just go into a hibernation phase and mine is a hibernator, which is cool because I am too. I like to hide in the winter. So he stops eating somewhere around September, October, and then he'll start eating again sometime between March, April, May, somewhere around then. And for a while, I'm going to say over the course of years, and I still struggle with it somewhat, trying to figure out when he's ready to eat stresses me out because again, I don't like to have anything die for no reason. I don't want to take out and defrost a rat that was killed. Like it had a life and it died and not have it be consumed because that to me is terrible. So I need to get the timing pretty decent. And the method that I've come up that works best for us is I'll get dreams from Timmy, or at least I don't know if they're really from Timmy or if they're just like my subconscious saying, oh, it's about the right time. But I'll start to have dreams about him being hungry or him being snappy or turning into a dragon or just those are the kinds of dreams that I have. And I've asked him before, um, when I'm confused about what's going on. I was like, it seems like you're roaming your cage a lot. Are you looking for a place to winter? Like you're looking for your hidey hole to hide? Or are you looking for food? Can you give me the dream? I was like, if you give me the dream, I'll give you some food. If I don't get the dream, then I'm just going to like clean up your cage and let you find your hidey hole for the winter and it'll be fine and we'll keep the water coming, but that's it. And what I've noticed is that the dreams are fairly accurate. Like if I have a dream where he turns into a dragon, he's pretty freaking hungry. And this last season, I asked him for the dream because he was roaming around a lot. And I said, you know, I've tried to feed you and you seemed like you didn't want the rat. And I was depressed about that. So I threw it into the woods and something else ate it. So that's nice. But what's going on? And then I had a dream where he wanted a smaller rat. And I, so I went, okay. And I went shopping at a local pet store to try and get a smaller rat than the ones that I had. And he did, he ate it and he was happy and he's good now. <laughs> so I was like, oh, the dreams can be trusted. So that's just a weird little story about me and my life and my relationship with this snake. And we've really, you know, developed it. It's taken us this whole time, 14 years in, I think we understand each other pretty well. We've been through some stuff. Um, he's had some difficult sheds. So we've worked up a relationship where we're able to help him peel off the skin when it's like painful for him or stuck. And he's actually got a really good relationship with my husband with that, because sometimes if he has an eye cap where like this, 
the skin gets stuck over his eye, you kind of have to go in with a tweezer to like pull it off and help him so that he doesn't get it built up and be in pain or go blind, right? So if he can't see through that skin, that's not good. And he already has not great eyesight to begin with. So all of those things, I think they've taught me a lot about slowing down, just accepting creatures for what they are, to not have assumptions that things are out to get me because, you know, I had that assumption about this little tiny worm thing. I was like, no, Timmy's fine. And I know a lot of people see him now and they're like, oh, he's so huge. And I think he's about five and a half feet long. But to me, I'm like, oh, he's fine. He's not going to outgrow me. And he's Timmy. Like he's, he's an individual to me. He's not a snake. He's like a little person. He's a very, I hate to say boring person, but you know, like he, he mostly is very chill he wants to sit in his light. He'll come sit on you. He likes to explore a little bit. He'll take a bath. You know, he, he's a great little guy. He'll escape sometimes. If you don't pay attention, he's actually pretty sneaky that way. He'll be very slow and go and explore things around you. And then when you're looking the other way, he'll like go very fast in the same direction, kind of have to grab him. But, um, I've enjoyed learning about life, learning how to slow down, learning how to appreciate a creature for what it is. And to recognize that, you know, I've chosen that responsibility. I owe something to him to help him be healthy and have a good life and to be safe and comfortable and warm enough in the winter and able to move and exercise and have fresh water and, you know, enough food. And it's pretty neat. And I appreciate him. I, I like that his presence reminds me to slow down and to connect to slower things to not always be worried about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, but just to be present enough to be able to receive a dream, right? To be able to receive that communication, to be able to slow down enough to leave an impression that isn't just scurrying. I think that's the impression I probably leave most of the time is me running around. But there are moments when I'm able to slow it down enough to connect with Timmy. Hmm. May you find yourself able to slow down, connect to something maybe that scares you or intimidates you and realize that you can handle it. You can handle it more than you think you can, that there's something to be gained from exploring that a little bit. And then you connect with all creatures, I guess, in a way that is nourishing for you and for them and helps you learn something about yourself. Have a marvelous week, my friends, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with someone you love and leave us a review. You can learn more and get some self-compassion tips and tricks by visiting coachwithblaze.com where you can sign up to get my free booklet on overcoming anxiety, overwhelm, exhaustion, and burnout. I'm sending you so much appreciation and love and I'll see you next time.